Get ready for the Synthesizer Library podcast. Because, let's face it, synthesizers are just cool. If you like the sound of that, I think you're going to like this episode. This is the Synthesizer Library Podcast. I'm Adam Anderson, and today in front of me, I have the Prophet 12 from Dave Smith Instruments. And that sound at the beginning was just one of the factory presets that it comes with. And really, this instrument is magical. And I've really discovered some new things about synthesis and about sound that I hadn't experienced yet until I got my hands on this instrument. So, Stick with me and let's dive in and see if we can uncover that magic. My hat goes off to the patch designers for the Prophet 12. I don't know who you all are, but um, you've done a great job. I know I've heard interviews before where I think Dave himself mentioned that there is this fine line to walk between showing off the synth's capabilities and making some actual useful patches in the factory patches. And these, there are some of both, but for the most part, they're very useful and very good. There's some crazy ones like this. which is supposed to simulate a ball dropping and does a great job of showing off all the math involved with that sound. But uh, really, I, I don't plan to use that in any of my songs. And then there's patches like this that almost sound like a song right out of the box. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, let's talk numbers for a minute. So the big glowing 12 on the front of the Prophet 12 indicates that this is a 12-voice polyphonic synthesizer. And that means that at any time, simultaneously, you can have 12 different voices without notes cutting out. And any of those voices can be made up of four oscillators, which go through a low-pass filter, a high-pass filter, uh, four envelopes can be modulated with four LFOs, 
There's four delay taps. And there's a character section with uh, funny names like Hack and Girth. Um, there's an onboard arpeggiator, which with the latest um, update, kind of almost acts like a sequencer, uh, a step sequencer. And in addition to that, there's distortion. Um, really, this thing is just packed full. And at first glance, it feels like it might be a little bit intimidating. But I'm sure you'll get the hang of it with just a little bit of practice. Maybe a lot of practice. And beyond all of those oscillators and envelopes, I should also mention that it has FM, which we've covered recently, AM, amplitude modulation. The LFOs and the delays are, um, and the arpeggiator can be synced to MIDI, which is really nice. And it all comes packaged with a five-octave keyboard that feels really nice. Um, not quite clacky, but not quite weighted. It, it's just a a nice feeling keyboard and it has polyphonic aftertouch really nice it has um, touch sensitive sliders and um, mod wheel and pitch bend which some keyboards these days have one or the other so it's nice to have both um, it's just it works really well as a as a controller as a MIDI controller for your DAW of course there's also the module available the desktop module that does not have a keyboard has all of the processing and synthesizer capabilities without the keyboard and from what I understand it's laid out really well nice and compact but um, contains all the processing so if you don't need a keyboard that's a good way to go and save some bucks and some um, some desk space Just another little bit of a factory preset there. Um, by now, you might be wondering about the oscillators. I mentioned that they are digital oscillators. The rest of the signal path is analog. Um, but why in this age of the analog revolution, when analog is back with a vengeance, why do digital oscillators? Well, first of all, keep in mind that in today's digital world, uh, Digital has come a long way since, say, the Insonic ESQ-1 that I have sitting right above the Prophet 12 with its lo-fi 8-bit digital waves. These are much higher fidelity. They sound really pretty darn close to analog. I, I can't actually hear the difference. They, they sound really, really good. Don't get all hung up on the fact that they're digital oscillators. In fact, there are some benefits to having digital oscillators. They are rock solid as far as the tuning is concerned and Dave thoughtfully added a what's called a slop control if you really want them to behave more like old analog oscillators um, it'll gradually slightly detune them over time and you can control the amount of slop and you can have one on each oscillator so you can really have it go crazy um, really you could do the same thing on any synth by assigning an LFO to gradually slowly alter the, the pitch over time. Um, but this is nice to have it built in so that you can free up those oscillators, or sorry, those LFOs for other things. Um, so you can make your digital oscillators sound sort of analog. So that's, that's one thing we're kind of covered there. The other thing is the, and this doesn't get advertised very well, I don't think. It, it's really the sort of hidden power of the Prophet 12, and that is the shape mod. I can't imagine what it would take to accomplish this with um, 
purely an analog set of oscillators. I'm not sure it's even possible. Um, but let's dive in and discuss what exactly this is. So first of all, it might be uh, easy to think about pulse width modulation or PWM that is a really famous sound gradually changing the width of the pulse wave over time. Um, that's been around for a long time. There's nothing new there. And, and the shape mod accomplishes that if the selected wave is a pulse wave. You can do that. Here's what that sounds like. Now imagine being able to apply that same technique to other waves, not just pulse wave. Um, and I haven't even mentioned the different types of waves that are in here. The really cool thing is that with pulse width modulation, uh, you're really just changing the shape of the wave from a narrow pulse to a wide pulse to a narrow pulse uh, rapidly. And with this shape mod, you can change the shape of the waveform all sorts of strange ways. What happens is you're given a wave left and a wave right, and you choose one of the other oscillator shapes, wave shapes, and apply that to modify the shape of the oscillator. It's uh, kind of confusing to discuss here, but basically what you end up with is really an infinite possibility of timbres that you can work with to build sounds. I think a demonstration is in order here. Hold on. I'm going to use three of the digital wave shapes for this demo. I'm going to use uh, muted, nasal, and tines, and modulate between those shapes. So here's muted, and I'm going to gradually change that over to the nasal wave form, and going the other way to the tines. So now imagine we automate that shape modification using an LFO and maybe we delay that LFO a little bit with one of the auxiliary envelopes. And what else? Let's bring up some of the slop. So it's just a little bit out of tune and we're going to have the filter envelope open up the filter a little bit gradually and you end up with something like this. So hopefully you can see why, in my opinion at least, I think the shape mod is sort of this little secret hidden gem that really deserves a lot more attention and it opens up a whole world of possibilities. Okay, now for all my gushing about the Prophet 12 and how great it is, there are a few things that I'm not super excited about and I thought I might just mention those now instead of ending on them later at the end of the episode because that just isn't very fair. A couple of things I don't like about it. When you're editing a patch and you want to save it to your computer, you do that with a system exclusive dump, MIDI system exclusive. That's pretty standard. Uh, the thing I don't like about it is that the bank and patch number is sent with 
the system exclusive information. And that is true if you're doing an individual patch or a full bank. And then when you go from your computer and you want to send it back to the synth, it loads it back into the same slot where it came from. That might seem like it's a good thing on the surface, but it kind of bugs me because sometimes when I'm editing a patch or maybe I've loaded a patch off of a website and I want to hear what it sounds like, so I send it from the computer over to the Prophet 12 and it loads it right on top of something else that I've customized because I didn't know what patch number it was going to go to. In my opinion, it would be better if it could just load it into memory without saving it or it would maybe load it on top of whatever the currently loaded patch is, but it overwrites whatever you've got. Man, you might not even know where it's going before you do it. So, of course, you can get around this by backing up your patches. Um, you'd have to do that every time you want to send a new patch over. Or you can use the, um, the not free editor that is available for it. And that lets you customize the patches and rearrange them and build your banks um, in more of a custom fashion. But the default way of just sending system exclusive to and from the computer puts the patch back where it came from. And that is a little bit annoying to me. Again, this might be just something that I don't like, but there it is. And now I feel like I'm just spending the whole time complaining about it. That's really not the case. But anyway, there's one more thing that kind of bugs me a little bit, and that is the MIDI sync. So you have to go into the global menu, scroll down, and choose whether you want the Prophet to be a slave to the MIDI clock for the uh, for the arpeggiator and the LFOs and the delays and things, or if you want it to operate on its own internal clock. And it's great that it has both options. I really appreciate that. Uh, again, I'm thinking of the the microcorg that has a similar feature in its global menu, but it has an auto function where if it detects MIDI clock, then it syncs to it. If not, then it reverts back to its own internal clock. And on the Prophet 12, you have to set that manually. There's no auto sensing feature. And it would be really nice if it was there because a lot of times I find myself syncing to the DAW when I'm working on a, so a sound or a song. And then I go back to uh, working on the synth alone uh, in a later session and I don't have the DAW running and all the arpeggiators and everything stops. So I have to go back into the menu and, and switch the setting. And uh, it's, it's not a big deal, but it would be nice if it could just sense it automatically. And I actually had one other complaint, but I since found out that it's not a problem and I just couldn't figure out how to do it. And it has to do with the layering. I haven't mentioned that yet, but the Prophet 12 can have two layers on any one patch and they could be split on the keyboard or they could be layered on top of each other. And because of the, the layers, it's actually a multi-tamperal instrument, has a separate set of outputs for the second layer. Uh, if you want, or you can just send them out together on the same pair of outputs. Um, but what I couldn't figure out is when you're editing a multi-layer patch, how to just solo one layer versus the other. And what the way you do that is you press the button to edit layer B or layer A if you unpress it, and then you turn the layering off, and that toggles between the two sounds. 
I couldn't figure out how to effectively just solo one layer, which is really handy when you're editing it because you need to be able to kind of zoom in and, and listen to just that layer. So it handles that nicely and no complaint there. Okay, now with all of that out of the way, I did receive some feedback on the on the podcast that you seem to like when I just kind of build some patch on the fly and it makes me a little bit nervous, but I'm going to try to do that and just kind of see what I come up with and talk my way through it. All right, so I'm going to start off with a basic patch, which you can get to by holding the furthermost latch, the leftmost latch button and pressing the hold button. That just initializes basic program, which sounds like that. Just a saw wave, and it has the cutoff frequency all the way open, so you get the full wave. It has a few nice things mapped by default, like the leftmost slider is mapped to the filter cutoff frequency. So if I bring the cutoff frequency down, about right there, and then I slide up on the slider. down you can hear and that's a nice performance feature to have rather than have to grab the cutoff frequency knob just kind of slide up um, on that slider so that's nice we also have the um, vibrato mapped to the mod wheel by default which is pretty pretty typical so you don't have to go in and set up that mapping if you're going to do something like that I actually don't know what the mapping is on the other slider if there's anything there is something might be the high pass frequency coming in. The high pass, did I say frequency? High pass filter coming in to cut off the low end. Um, so I think that's the case. So having both of those filters there on the sliders by default is a nice thing to have. So here's what I have. And also by default, it chooses the 24 dB per octave filter um, in the low pass section. If you turn off that button, you get a 12 dB per octave filter. So either or is available. Um, the factory patches seem to prefer the 24 dB per octave filter, um, but you can choose whichever you want, you'd like. I've noticed that the, the resonance on the 24 filter is a lot more um, apparent than on the 12. So, for example, this sound, let me bring the cutoff down and bring the resonance up. This is with a 24 dB per octave. Starts to even feed back there. Now with the, the other filter, the 12 dB, no resonance, and then I'm going to bring it up. And that is typical, that uh, the resonance with a sharper cutoff is going to be more apparent. But it's, it seems really, really apparent on, on this one, especially with the resonance all the way up in the 24 dB per octave. Yeah. All right. All right, so here's a typical sound you might come up with. Um, just the starting again with the sawtooth waveform. And the filter's all the way open. Maybe I want to have that filter modulated by the envelope, which it has one dedicated an envelope to the filter. So I'm just going to bring down the cutoff frequency. 
to about there. And now I'm going to use the envelope control on the filter to have that. You hear it st starts out brighter and gets darker over the course of the envelope. Which I have set with a sharp attack. Really no attack, so it's immediate. And then a gradual decay. If I take that attack and lengthen it, kind of fades in and out. And you can hear that it kind of hangs on. That is the amplitude, um, the amp, sorry, the amplifier envelope, I believe, with its long release. So there's kind of a nice sound for, well, that didn't really make any sense. Uh, a nice sound for really a bass line or some stabby chords, that kind of thing. Very basic. But let's now take that a bit further and add another oscillator. Oh, I just, a looks like I just turned, oh, turned the FM amount way up on that accidentally. I bumped that knob, so I'm going to turn that down. I'm going to choose oscillator 2. Right now it is off. So to turn it on, I just select a wave shape and give it some volume. The output level. So I selected a square wave. And just to make it um, fatten up a little bit, I'm going to bring up, I'm going to tune that up a little bit from the, the main oscillator one. And bring the volume of the square down. Here's with it all the way up. Bring it down. A little bit fatter, more interesting sound. Maybe I'll add another oscillator. This time I'm going to choose one of the more strange ones. Go up to the, there's one called Mellow. Bring up the output level on that one. And here's one called Boing. And maybe I actually want to um, show off the sync on this one. Kind of throw everything into one patch and see what happens. It's probably going to turn out to be a bit ridiculous, but let's just start turning knobs. So this one right now is tuned exactly the same as oscillator one, but I'm going to change its pitch to be something, something strange like that. And then I'm going to select oscillator four and... Um, actually, oscillator 4 is already tuned exactly to oscillator 1. So if I take oscillator 3 and now I press the sync button. Okay, I guess I need to turn on oscillator 1 in order for it to um, actually sync. So I'm just going to choose sine waveform. Now oscillator 3, since it's synced, sounds in tune. If I turn off the sync... 
you hear the difference in pitch. So we covered oscillator sync in another episode. This has that available, and there's this ring of the four oscillators, which I understand is just kind of a uh, mapping, a quick default mapping that has um, any one oscillator synced to another one. And you can change that, I believe, in the in the mod matrix, but this works really well just to have uh, follow the arrows and it points to which one syncs with which with the other oscillator. And the same is true for the FM and AM as well. I don't really like that so much. I'm going to turn down oscillator three. Let me just turn it off. Back to this sound. I don't know why I keep playing. I can't really see the keyboard too well, so I keep playing stuff that just doesn't go together, but sorry. Let's talk about the panning feature a little bit. This is kind of cool. Um, so I'm, right now there's no panning going on. And if I bring up the pan spread control, hopefully you can hear every other voice that's used is panned left or right. And right now I don't have it panned very far. If I crank it all the way, it alternates between left and right all the way. So, and it does it automatically by um, just the number of which voices played. So now if I play, I've got kind of mid-range panning going on. If I play a full chord, it split those out into left and right uh, based on which voices is triggering which note or which note is triggering which voice, I guess. And it's really a, a nice way to build a stereo signal uh, without having to go in and manually set the voices and things like that. Other synthesizers that I've used, you can pan the whole voice left and right with like an LFO or something like that. And that kind of swirls and moves. This one, there is some motion going on because it's uh, choosing different voices. So if I play the same chord multiple times, that might be hard to hear, but the, because those notes are using different voices each time I, I trigger the chord. The the panning of those voices may or may not be to the left or to the right. I really like it. It's, it's a really nice way of doing it. Of course, it can get overdone if I crank it too far. and kind of gives you vertigo if it's panned too much, but just a little bit of stereo width goes a long way. And I'm not going to get to every feature on the synth, but as long as we've got a nice short sound, let's bring up some delay so you can hear what that sounds like. And just bring up the amount there, a little bit of feedback so it re-triggers. And now, of course, you can sync that to um, the arpeggiator, which can be synced to the MIDI clock if you want, and then it all those delays fall right in time, but right now I don't have that synced. Now I'm going to turn on the arpeggiator, since I mentioned it, and hold a chord. A little bit fast, but... Now 
It's a really usable arpeggiator, just a quick way to make it sound like your fingers are flying when you're just holding a chord. That's always a nice trick, right? But I'm going to turn the arpeggiator off for now and try to make this uh, a longer sustained sound. I'll maybe turn off the delay for now. So in the amplifier envelope, I can give it some sustain and longer release. But that's not going to have a lot of effect. I mean, it sort of does. But because I've got the envelope on the filter so dramatically cutting off the the cutoff frequency, the sound doesn't really last very long because the filter's really turning it off. Or at least turning it down really low. So I'm going to reduce the amount of filter going on, or the envelope control on the filter. Oops. Now it's just hanging on way too long. I'm going to give it a little bit of a longer attack. Bring up the filter cutoff so we hear more of it. Have some fun with an LFO. So now that we got a longer tone that it'll be easier to hear any effect we apply to the LFO. So I've got an LFO going right now that does not is not assigned to do anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if I push the LFO one button and I go to the destination knob and I'm gonna bring up how about LPF cutoff. That's always a good one. So right now that triangle LFO should be controlling the amount of cutoff, but we don't hear anything yet because on the LFO control button, uh, uh, screen, I need to go to the amount and bring that up. So there's a nice wobble that we were kind of looking for. Now I'm going to add a layer to this and have the other layer not affected by the LFO on the um, cutoff frequency. So stack layer. So the second layer automatically has that super bright saw wave turned on. I'm going to go ahead and bring it down. I need to select which. All right, I accidentally did it on the first. So now I've got two very similar layers, except for one um, has the that wobble effect going on with the LFO controlling the cutoff frequency, and the other one doesn't. So that kind of gives it fills in those gaps a little bit. You can hear the cutoff frequency of the one layer. Uh, altering, alternating between high and low, and then the the second layer fills in those gaps. So you get the uh, you get both. I'm trying to say you get both the wobble and the stable tone at the same time. And we could go further with this and start to maybe do some pulse width modulation on the second layer, and, and controlled by a different LFO. 
of course, with synthesis, the possibilities are endless. And with this machine, it, it <laughs> you could spend all day just tweaking the knobs. And what a great day that would be, right? I'm sure um, there's nothing else that needs to get done around here. Probably is. But um, it's really, the bottom line is, if you have a Prophet 12, you already know it's it's just a behemoth and there is so much you can do with it and if you don't have one don't go into debt getting one but save your pennies it's well worth it and highly recommended of course all of the dave smith instruments instruments are well worth their the money and um, but this is one of my favorites it's the only one that i own i've played the others i'm not sure that i've played all of them yet but um they're just very, very, very well-built machines. And um, thanks for listening. I think this is going to wrap it up for the Prophet 12 information. Hopefully you've learned a bit about it and what it offers and get a sense for the just the pure craftsmanship of the machine. And all right, I'll try to be better about getting to the podcast sooner next time around. This one has been very delayed. And a lot of that is just because I keep getting lost every time I sit down in front of this thing. Uh, not lost in a bad way, lost in a good way. And time just seems to disappear and I have a great time. So thanks for listening and I will catch you guys all next time. Bye.